Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This show is your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and success strategies. Well, today we're going to talk about commercial real estate finance. You know, debt is so important to the commercial real estate industry. And so that is our topic today. Please welcome my first guest, Lisa Pendergrast. She is Executive Director with CRE Finance Council. She's joining us on the phone. Lisa, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Lisa, first of all, for the listeners who may not know, tell us briefly about CRE Finance Council. Sure. The the council really is uh, is focused on um, a very uh, many aspects of the commercial real estate finance market, be it uh, CMBS um, lending, portfolio bank lending, um, insurance company lending, and, and really the idea is to to help the CRE finance market to remain as as liquid and viable as possible so that we can advance, you know, the sort of state of the, of the CRE markets, make sure that there's liquidity to, to borrowers and property owners. Um, ultimately, you know, it's a, it's a great resource for driving, you know, economic uh, growth. Thank you for that, Lisa. <laughs> and we're glad you're doing that. Who are your typical members? Our members include, um, as, as I mentioned, we have a lot of bank portfolio lenders and insurance company lenders. We have CMBS investors. Um, we are starting to uh, to focus too on uh, some of the alternative lenders that have um, sort of developed in the post-crisis environment. Um, we have CMBS issuers who not only originate loans for CMBS securitization, but then sell and, and package those loans into, into structures that we sell then to pension funds and money managers and banks and life companies and the like. Okay. And then you recently did a survey of your members, and I want to talk about some of the results of that survey today, but certainly they have a grasp of what's going on in the market and, and what to expect moving forward. And I think the elephant in the room for most people uh, is interest rates and what do your members expect interest rates to do in 2017? I think most of our, uh, our members watch the Fed very closely, and I think the Fed has been relatively good about um, benchmarking where they think rates are going to be at the end of this year. So interestingly, in our survey, our respondents pretty much were uh, 80% of them um, believe that rates will rise somewhere between 25 and 100 basis points over the course of 2017. And that's not all that surprising because I believe the Fed is on record to say that they are likely to move in 2017 by 325 basis point um, increments. Um, clearly, we're starting to, um, to see, you know, better signs of economic growth um, I think what was interesting, while the first quarter GDP number wasn't all that um, overwhelming at 1.9%, what we saw were signs that business investment is truly starting to pick up um, and that growth there, as well as you know, a, an unemployment rate that everyone is very comfortable with at this point and has recovered nicely since the, the, the recession, um, all suggest that rates will rise. The key thing, I think, for our members is that while we are seeing a, a rate rise, and in that environment normally would be construed as somewhat of a negative because as benchmark rates rise, capitalization rates rise as well. Um, I think most assume that it's going to be you know, tempered. This is not going to be moving in 50, 75 basis point increments. We haven't seen sufficient pickup in GDP, I think, to warrant that. Um, and there are certainly other issues 
um, not only here in the U.S., but abroad, that would suggest that the Fed is going to move cautiously as they raise rates. So generally, a modest increase coming off of very low rates is considered a, a, a reasonable um, thing to happen in 2017 that won't negatively impact CRE. Right. And I like your point that you have to remember that rising rates uh, is really good news, right, for the economy. That means uh, the economy is moving forward and uh, our slow recovery may be picking up a little bit of pace. So, so 25 to 100 basis points in 2017, any indication of beyond that what's expected? You know, I, I think that anyone who had a view as to where rates were going to go beyond 2017, mm-hmm. say on uh, November 1st, um, are now somewhat perplexed as to the developments that may occur this year. Um, there are a variety of, uh, of things coming out of D.C. Um, that could um, spur economic growth. Um, there are those things that could be very positive for commercial real estate, such as it relates to infrastructure. Um, so if there are significant growth, or if there is significant growth in infrastructure, that could be a, a, certainly a positive for commercial real estate that would benefit from that growth in infrastructure. Um, to the extent that, you know, there are also issues abroad, I think the concerns always are um, any pickup in volatility is not good for, for any kind of financial markets. It's not good for interest rates. Um, it certainly wouldn't be um, a positive for the financial markets. So to the extent that that there's a lot on the table right now from the Trump administration. We look forward to good things, but to the extent that it also causes volatility to increase, we know from experience that that tends to put investors in all types of um, securities and real estate on the sidelines until things calm down. Interesting. You know, and you think, I think of your members, I think of uh, a smart group of people who are studying this and thinking about it uh, and moving forward. So, um, when you did your survey or when you get a sense of, of talking to your members, um, how do they feel about a Trump presidency? Is it 80-20 uh, that they like it or 20% afraid of it, uh, uh, worried about what could happen? Um, you know, speaking to, that was not a, a question we asked directly, um, and but I can say that I think that there are those that um, see some hope in potentially um, moderating some of the regulatory aspects um, that have caused um, markets to, particularly uh, the CMBS market um, and the interest rate environment, um, to, to do things that were somewhat unexpected. So I believe that there are those who, who view some of the regulatory issues, let's say associated with Dodd-Frank, um, is associated with um, the risk retention issue, that need to be clarified and refined. Um, And so to the extent that a Trump administration um, has ordered, for example, a review um, by by the uh, by the Treasury to to look at Dodd Frank and determine if there's there are things that that could be done that moderate what is currently in place and perhaps rectify some of the the over the excesses, if you will, um, while still keeping all of the principles of Dodd Frank um, in force. So, for example, there are things that we would like in our marketplace. The Volcker Rule, which was part of Dodd-Frank, was something that restricted proprietary trading. Um, and our view, and I think our members' view, is that 
that combined with things like Basel III and Basel IV, which really put a crimp on liquidity, have been negative events for um, investors in CRE debt. So, for example, in the CMBS market, um, the liquidity of being able to sell bonds um, in the secondary market has really come under significant pressure, and that affects all of our members. But, for example, a lot of our, our investors in CMBS bonds are, are life companies and pension funds um, in government funds. So to the extent that those individual investors cannot get in and out of securities um, in, a, in a reasonable way without either not being able to trade or trade at excessive gaps because there's no one there to, to, to provide that liquidity um, is something that we would like to see change. So, you know, the, having the Volcker Rule looked at, having some of the new provisions within the Basel III um, changes reviewed as to what impact they're having on the capital bases at certain banks that are, that impin that are really crimping the liquidity of these banks are all things that we would have um, that I think our members would like to see looked at going forward. Yeah, that's a good point. It did seem to crimp the style, especially the small banks, in the fourth quarter of some of the deals that we work on. So, uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. And one thing you mentioned is interest rates rising, the impact on cap rates. And we're going to take a short break. When we get back, I'm going to ask Lisa Pendergast with Executive Director of CRE Finance Council what her, she and her members think about cap rates moving forward and the rise, rising rates. Does that mean rising cap rates? Uh, what do they think? And also we're going to discuss where they think we are in the cycle for the different property types. So stay with us and make sure you're connecting with us and commenting on the shows on YouTube, on iTunes. You're connecting with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. We love to hear from you. So stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Are you in commercial real estate brokerage? Check out Apto. Created by and for commercial real estate brokers, Apto is the leading web-based platform for managing relationships, properties, listings, deals, and back office. Visit apto.com slash CRE show. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today we're talking commercial real estate finance, development financing, multifamily financing. My guest is Lisa Pendergast. She's Executive Director with CRE Finance Council. Joining us on the phone, Lisa, thanks for being with us. You're welcome. Uh, let's talk. Here. Let's talk about cap rates. Uh, in the we just talked to you in another segment, you mentioned that your members expect interest rates in 2017 to increase, or 80 percent of them expect them to increase 25 to 100 basis points. You also mentioned that will impact cap rates. What do your members think about rising cap rates, what they might see in 2017 and beyond? Sure. Um, you know, for a while now we have talked about, you know, the benchmark rates being so low and that there's been a nice spread. If you think about a cap rate, all it is is a, is a benchmark treasury rate um, with a spread for the risk associated with a commercial real estate investment. And so, you know, that spread has been relatively wide, and um, I, I would argue that there's room for that to contract um, such that as the spread contracts and rates rise, there's not a significant difference in cap rates. 
Having said that, I think most view um, the potential for rising cap rates to be high at this point for a variety of reasons, not only due to any increase in benchmark rates, but also to, to the fact that this current real estate cycle um, is getting fairly long in the tooth. Now, there are many who would argue that, you know, cycles don't necessarily die of old age, um, but that needs to be some extraneous um, event that would happen to cause that. And I think the view generally is that, you know, based on our survey, 55% of our members believe that we are close to the peak, closer at the peak, um, especially as it applies to multifamily and hotels. Um, you know, and having said that, I think the next question that you ask is, so what happens next? There are very few folks out there who think that there's going to be a, a peak and then a falling off that peak or the cliff. Um, I believe that many view this as a plateau, that rates are still relatively low enough to, to advance um, commercial real estate and multifamily. Um, the dynamics are that we've seen a good amount of construction in multifamily and hotels. Now, arguably on the multifamily front, as the home ownership rate falls and, and remains close to historical lows, um, I would argue that that construction is warranted. Um, I, I think in the same thing on the hotel side, there's been a good amount of new development. Um, at the end of the day, it really might be become, uh, as it always does, a market-specific um, event where the extent that you're going to fall from the peak or if you're going to fall at all um, anytime soon is highly dependent on the amount of development that you've seen in a given market. Um, the good thing is, is if you think about credit in this cycle, on the multifamily front, most of uh, the lending has been done by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginnie Mae. Um, and Ginnie Mae is the only uh, one of the uh, of the government-sponsored um, enterprises that actually has um, a construction component um, in any meaningful way. And so, on the on the the, the Fannie and Freddie have been a, a good sound source of finance and debt finance to to borrowers for quite some time. And and they're sort of track record and their performance of those loans has been outstanding. So it suggests to me that there's been a good moderation of the development that occurs and the refinancing that has occurred, such that the refinancing has all been into lower rates and that all stays uh, comfortable. So the peak in the cycle at this point, I think, is highly dependent on where we go from an economic perspective. Because one would argue, while benchmark rates are rising, that on the other hand, you're starting to see cash flow at the property level improve as occupancy rate improves and you're allowed to, to raise rents in response to that higher demand. Okay. So, Linda's a little concerned about the hotel and the multifamily market as it relates to the cycle. But the other property types that feel, hey, maybe we're not at the, the top of the cycle there for like office, retail, industrial? Yeah, I, I think the one area that, you know, is almost less peak and more um, outside influence is the retail sector. Um, you know, that that's, is something that we've talked about often that is uh, really has been uh, a victim of the sort of uh, online e-commerce um, developments over the last, you know, now a couple decades. And so that's going to continue. And I think the, the issue there on the retail front is that, the very good, strong malls out there um, at some point might be um, comfortable losing some of these big box tenants um, that are closing stores and replacing them with more new age tenants um, and lifestyle sort of entertainment um, tenants as well. 
unfortunately, where it's going to negatively impact um, certain um, retail is that if you're the sort of the second or third mall in a you know second or two or three kind of mall market, those are the the malls that you oftentimes will be driving on the highway and see these dark, very large you know retail centers. Um, and that, those are the things that I think we are concerned about to the extent that they're sitting on, uh, you know, that they secure debt um, that is done either on the bank side or the life company portfolio side or in the CMBS market. So I know that there are certain CMBS transactions that will trade poorly because of their retail exposure to some of these weaker malls um, and stores. Right, and that brings up a, a good topic. We're talking with Lisa Pendergast with CRE Finance Council, and that brings up the topic of, of maturities in CMBS in 2017, loans that maybe were done 10 years ago at the, the height of the market. So what do your members think about those maturities, and will there be any problems there? Yeah, I think the concern is that if you now have uh, – live through a period of very low interest rates and therefore mortgage rates, um, and their loan was originated in 2007, 10-year um, loans coming due in 2017, still outstanding that there's something going on, that there's some concern um, about the ability to refinance that loan. Um, oftentimes, these loans were over-levered, and so to the extent that you now have you know, perhaps cash flows that are decent, um, or you're a retail, a lot of retail loans as well, and you've lost a large tenant. It's very difficult to see how these loans are going to pay off at maturity in you know this year. Um, so I dare say that if you were to look at the CMBS market and break it out by vintage and go back to the 2007 vintage, you're going to see an additional pop in the delinquency rate and potentially the loss rate on those deals. Um, having said that, too, you know. Soon after the crisis was over and we started to originate CMBS deals once again, there were some retail loans, um, and, and some of you some would argue that the exposure to retail was higher um, early on after the crisis in CMBS deals. I think that has evened off considerably. So there may be some early post-crisis vintages that also suffer to some extent from the, uh, the retail exposure. But certainly 2007 loans are things that we're looking for something that when you look at the CMBS delinquency rate, you may in fact see that rate um, you know, pop higher somewhat um, over the next 6 to 12 months. Yeah, it should be interesting. And I think some people look at that as maybe an opportunity uh, to, to do some deals, whether it's uh, on the financing side or, or acquisition. And, uh, so, uh, and uh, Lisa, if people like to get more information, uh, where can they reach uh, you guys, the website? Um, the, uh, the the Siri Finance Council. You could sell Pendergast at Crepsy dot org. Mm-hmm. Um, you can talk to me direct, um, or we'll we'll uh, you know direct you to the to the folks. We have a, a pretty outstanding GR department that's very very busy these days. Government relations is uh, is a top of the list of uh, most of our members knowing and understanding what's going on in D.C. So if we can help there, we would be happy to do so. Lisa, thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. Thank you. Well, stay tuned. We'll have more on commercial real estate finance, including some tips for you if you're a borrower and you have a loan maturing. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. (laughs) 
Hi, this is Michael Ball. Check out Plum Lending, the $1 to $25 million commercial real estate specialist. Plum offers you speed, certainty, and preferential turns because it's all driven by technology. Visit GetYourPlumLoan.com. That's GetYourPlumLoan.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. This segment is brought to you by BuildOut. They are the commercial real estate broker's ultimate marketing tool. Visit BuildOut.com. Well, today we're talking about the finance, commercial real estate financing, the debt market. Let's see what is going on. Please welcome my next guest, Manis Clancy. He's Senior Managing Director with TREP. He's joining us on the phone today. Manis, thanks for being with us. My pleasure, Michael. Well, Manis, there's been some talk about uh, retail properties may be in a little state of flux. What's going on in the lending market related to retail properties? Well, it's very interesting right now. It, the commercial real estate markets uh, seem to move from you know one concern to another to another. And <laughs> two years ago, it was uh, the oil patch and, and what offices in Houston and Tulsa would be doing, and and over time that migrated to uh, suburban offices. And right now, that is in the retail space. And as you've seen from the headlines, over the last six months, Macy's uh, announced it would be closing about 14% of its stores. JCPenney, 13% of its stores. Uh, Target had very weak earnings a couple weeks ago. We've seen smaller retailers like Gordman's and H.H. Gregg, uh, along with Sports Authority, uh, either flirt with or go into bankruptcy. And all of this has had had an impact on those markets. And investors who have purchased bonds backed by commercial real estate loans or lenders looking at those properties are very concerned about the staying power of some of these traditional bricks and mortars retailers. Yeah, and so what's that mean for retail property owners and uh, investors in these properties? Well, there's a couple of things. You know, number one is that your cost of borrowing uh, will be higher than other traditional property types like an office uh, or like perhaps a hotel that has had a long track record. Everybody will be looking at your property with a more jaundiced eye than ever before. And it probably isn't enough to have uh, a strong uh, rent roll in terms of duration. Five-year leases, eight-year leases, 10-year leases are great, but if your property is loaded in a uh, older shopping mall in a place where there's competition in a secondary market and there's exposure to a Macy's and a JCPenney and a Dillard's, <laughs> you're going to get extra scrutiny regardless of how long those leases run. Yeah, sounds like you might have three strikes against you there. <laughs> <laughs> now, Manis, are some people uh, banking on the, some of these loans defaulting uh, that have a lot of retail in them? That's very interesting. It's something that some of the major investment houses have been talking up as a trade, if you will. Uh, some have gone as far as to call it the next big short, <laughs> shorting retail um, properties, either shorting the REITs themselves, which have sold off in, in recent weeks, or shorting what is known as CMBX, which is an index of uh, synthetic CMBS loans and bonds. And if you look at the vintages of 2012 and 2013, 
they're very heavily weighted with older shopping malls in secondary and tertiary markets, heavily weighted towards that JCPenney, Macy's, Sears, Dillard's grouping. And what the banks have said is there's a shorting opportunity to short those indices that have heavy exposure to those retailers. So you've seen a lot of volatility in that market with spreads really dancing around in that space. Yeah, that's interesting. I think another thing that concerns uh, the real estate market in the financing world is uh, regula- regulations. Uh, Dodd-Frank and the other regulatory changes, does does your industry expect that the regulations will will be uh, better for banking or, or worse, or what's the expectations there? Well, it's interesting you should say that because while most of the headlines have been around Dodd-Frank, the one that really captures our attention has been this rule that's been in place for a long time. It's actually guidance. And the guidance is that banks should avoid having more than 300% of risk-based capital in commercial real estate loans. And in the past, banks have been able to treat that as guidance. They've had a little bit more scrutiny if they've surpassed that threshold, but there wasn't really a, a great deal of scrutiny. Because what we've seen in the last eight years is property values recovering to 2008 levels and beyond, the regulators have looked at these banks with high CRE concentrations and have asked them to tap the brakes even harder than ever before. What we're afraid of here in some degree, and I'm not sure I'm ready to handicap this, is a liquidity issue where the CMBS market pulls back because of regulation that has kicked in in 2017. The regulators are telling the banks themselves to tap the brakes because of um, uh, increased scrutiny. And all of a sudden, borrowers in secondary and tertiary markets find it harder and harder to get a loan. Yeah, that could be interesting. And uh, it could be uh, trouble for some and maybe opportunities for other. What about the impact of rising rates, Manus? What do you expect there? Well, rising rates would be very concerning for us. Number one, the, um, the sins of, if you will, 2007 and 2008 have been forgiven in large part because of low interest rates. And by that I mean when borrowers were lending in the frothy years of 2007 and 2008, um, they did so when rates were much higher. So borrowers were getting coupons or interest rates in that 5 and 6% threshold. For the last couple of years, a lot of marginal properties have been able to refinance out of those loans into loans with a 6% handle, something like that, which made their debt service coverage ratio look tolerable to the lender. If you see a scenario where the 10-year Treasury goes back up to 35 4 4.5%, and borrowers are, again, looking at interest rates in the 6 and 7% range, that will make it much, much harder for these borrowers to get cash-out financing on existing properties, existing loans. Yeah, that's something to watch. Well, Manus, before you have to go, what would, a tip would you leave with our listeners and viewers that own commercial real estate regarding financing today? Um, I would say a, a couple of things. I would say start early. <laughs> for one thing, it, you know, you may have a loan that's coming due in, in three months or six months or 12 months. You can't start early enough. You want to get ahead of what might be rising interest rates to really jump on that 
when you can, right? A 2.5% 10-year Treasury is not the worst thing in the world. Sure, you'd love 1.5% where we were a year ago, but 25 is not terrible. 4% would be terrible. And you just want to get ahead of um, what, might other be, what might otherwise be negative headlines in the market that make lenders more jittery, right? If there's more regulation that comes out by way of the regulators asking banks to pull back, or if you see more negative headlines with retailers, that would only push lending spreads higher. The sooner you can get your arms around this, the wider net you can cast, the better off you'll be in the long term. And what would you recommend on amortization if someone was doing a loan today and they were a principal loan in the real estate? Would you say, beware of five years, try to get 10, or does that even exist? Well, the, the yield curve is so flat right now that you, know, you can get the same rate for 10 that you can get for five. Mm-hmm. And if you can get 10, get 10. That's right. All right. Good tip. Man, it's good information. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. And uh, thank you for listening on the radio stations, on YouTube, on iTunes, and the show website. Uh, Feel free to comment on our show in our comment section below and uh, share it on social media and tell us what you think about the state of commercial real estate financing. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Build Out, the best all-in-one marketing tool for your brokerage. Learn how you can create marketing materials instantly and streamline your property listings process. Visit buildout.com. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit getvaluate.com. That's getvaluate.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty Asset and Occupancy Solutions. Visit bullrealty.com. Today we're talking about the state of commercial real estate financing in the U.S. Please welcome my next guest. It's Edward Dittmer. Edward is VP, head of CMBS Surveillance at Morningstar Credit Ratings. And he's joining us on the phone. Edward, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, Edward, there's been a lot of uh, news, a lot of stories about a lot of these big box retail retailers closing stores. What's that doing to CNBS? Well, this is something that's going to uh, probably cause a lot of headaches for CNBS investors and for borrowers uh, over the next year or so. In the last uh, month, we've seen, actually really even the last week, we've seen H.H. Gregg file for bankruptcy, uh, Gander Mountain filed for bankruptcy, and uh, just this morning, Gordman's, which is a Midwestern department store chain, filed for bankruptcy. So uh, when, once, that, once that happens, uh, you know, CMBS investors and, and borrowers have to look at whether or not that store is going to close and whether or not the company is going to reject the lease as part of the bankruptcy. Once that lease is rejected, then the, the uh, tenant can stop paying and the cash flow from that tenant stops pretty much immediately and the, the bar becomes an unsecured creditor of the bankruptcy estate. So one of the things we look at with some of these big anchor boxes is, is the difficulty in retenanting the space. And we've talked a lot about some of the malls that have, have uh, gone through uh, mass, mass closures by stores, and uh, we're, we're finding that it's, it's getting increasingly difficult to fill some of, the, uh, some of these anchor spaces. There's a lot of cost that goes into it, uh, sometimes you're not going to be able to find a tenant that wants a 40 or 50,000 square foot box, so you may have to put in the expense to break it up into smaller, uh, smaller pieces. 
Right. And Edward, is this a sign of things to continue? Uh, you know, well, you wrote an article recently, more clicks, less bricks. And uh, so is that uh, growth of online sales going to continue to create issues in uh, a retail financing world? Uh, we expect that it will here at Morningstar. Uh, you know, when, when, the, when the Internet first became a, a thing back in the, the mid and late 90s, uh, you had the category killers that uh, took out whole chains. Uh, first was books and electronics. Uh, but now we see the Internet really hitting all sorts of retailers, and they're nibbling away at the margins. So if you look at apparel shoppers, well, somebody might not go and buy a dress shirt at an Internet outlet. Some, some may. Uh, every, every time that, that those Internet uh, retailers get get a new category that they can go into, whether it's, it's socks or neckties or belts. Uh, that's, that's just a little bit more money that's out of the, uh, the retailer's pocket. And in the case of sporting goods, we've seen this year a ton of sporting goods retailers have filed for bankruptcy and closed up. You can buy all of those things on the Internet. And it's, it's, uh, it's something that we see continuing going on uh, for the next couple of years. And some of these retailers uh, that are in business today might not be in business uh, in another year or so. So, Edward, what are the types of properties that uh, are, are going to have the most impact from this situation? Well, the, the property type that we continue to look at and highlight is regional malls. Uh, when, when the anchor boxes close in a lot of these B-quality regional malls, it's, it's very, very difficult to get uh, a tenant that wants to fill that space. Uh, the, the A-quality regional malls do very, very well, and they often have tenants uh, on waiting lists lined up to take that space. But at, at the smaller malls, the ones that are in secondary and tertiary markets, it's really difficult to find somebody that wants uh, large boxes that, that come vacant. And, uh, and, and honestly, some of those malls are probably the ones that are going to uh, default uh, at, a, at a higher rate than a lot of the retail properties, that, than a lot of your anchored retail centers. The other issue with regional malls is that when they do default, uh, the risk on those tends to be much higher in terms of loss severities. Of the 200 or so malls that have uh, been liquidated out of CMBS over the past several years, uh, most of those malls had a loss severity of over 50% and a large number have loss severities of over 75 percent. Wow. Well, Edward, are there some groups that are seeing this as a potential opportunity? Uh, there are. There, there are uh, investors that have acquired some of the leases out of the bankruptcy courts when they're, they're affordable enough. I, I think you may see some of that come up with, uh, with some of these Kmarts and Sears that, that pay maybe a dollar, two dollars per square foot. Um, some of the sports authority leases were, uh, were acquired uh, by investors out of bankruptcy, and, and they may find an opportunity to retenant that space. It's mainly in the, in the centers that have the really, really strong demographics, those Class A centers, where somebody can acquire one of those leases fairly inexpensively, and then they can retenant that space for much, much more. Right. comes down to location, doesn't it? It sure does. So, Edward, what is your advice to a borrower who has retail properties where they might have some potential exposure to this issue? Well, you really want to get out in front of it. If you, if you know that your tenant has some problems coming down the road or is a candidate to possibly file for bankruptcy or close stores, uh, you, you probably want to work to line up an, another tenant in the meantime or at least get some interest in that space. 
Um, if, if it's a space where uh, maybe the, the center's a little bit tired, you may have to put a little bit of CapEx into it to make it more attractive to another retailer that might want to come in. Uh, if you are in that position where your, where your anchor store is closed and filed for bankruptcy and the, uh, and the rent is going to go away, you want to get out in front and call your loan servicer, your bank, and start working with them right away. Uh, th- that's, that's the best way to, uh, to get ahead of this. Sometimes those banks may require you to put up a little bit of additional cash in order to save the property. That's where we do see uh, some of the conflict and some of the loans that ultimately get foreclosed on is that those, those borrowers just really aren't seeing the return if they invest additional cash. But uh, that, that is often what, uh, what you're going to have to do in those cases. And most of these loans on these types of properties, Edward, um, you know, there's, there's no personal guarantees or corporate guarantees. Most of these are what, life insurance loans or, or CMBS loans? Uh, most of the ones we cover are CMBS loans, and mm-hmm. CMBS loans, for the most part, are all non-recourse. Right. So some of these properties, uh, the, the developers, the owners may be saying, hey, uh, we give up, right? Absolutely. And, and that's, uh, that, I think, is, is why CMBS loans have had uh, a problem with this is that, uh, you know, if, if you've got some personal recourse uh, left in the, in the loan, then you might want to invest some additional cash to, to help preserve, uh, preserve your investment. But if you really don't have anything on the line and you're being asked to put up a million, two million uh, to uh, secure a modification of the loan, it might not be worth it. Right. And I like your advice. Get out early and look at the situation and contact your servicers and maybe let them know you have potential imminent default coming up and uh, get ahead of it because there should there might be some ways if you, you both have the problem, right? Absolutely. The servicers are there to preserve as much as they can for the bond investors that, that have bought the CMBS bond. So their interest is, is not in taking the property back and selling it in a liquidation sale. Their interest is in trying to keep you involved in the property and and keep you managing it because that's not that's not what their competency is is in managing property right it seems like we had a lot of this a few years ago right and uh you know we were doing some recapitalization bringing in some investors to to work with these existing owners to bring in the capital and to turn around these properties yeah and there there are opportunities there are private equity investors that might be able to come in and, and and help bail somebody out of a situation, you might have to give up some of your some of your equity in the property, but it might preserve the investment going forward. Right. And if nothing else, you keep the, the management, you keep your name in good standing, uh, you keep the leasing, and uh, can work out for everyone. Well, Edward Detmer, thanks for joining us. We appreciate uh, your insight. Thanks very much, Michael. I appreciate it. On Stay Tuned, uh, right after a short break, we're going to talk about something else that's growing, and that's online mortgages. You might be surprised what you can do and how quickly you can look for loans. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Excelligen, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com.
Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we are talking commercial real estate lending. This segment is brought to you by Excelligent, building data everywhere. You can visit them at excelligent.com. That's X C E L I. G-E-N-T. Well, my next guest is Bill Fisher. He's CEO and founder of PlumLending.com. Bill, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no, it's great to be here this morning, Michael. I'm looking forward to sharing some thoughts with your with your audience. Well, Bill, one of the things I think is on the mind of everyone involved in, in commercial real estate and, and maybe everyone in the, in the involved in the economy in any way is concerned about rising interest rates. So, you know, what do you expect moving forward for rates there? You know, your CEO, Plum Lending, you, know, you spent some time with Wells Fargo before that. Uh, what is the outlook? Yeah, that's a terrific question, and obviously it is it is a topical interest to every every borrowing borrowing American today. At Plum Lending, our view is it's going to be driven by, of course, the economic factors that exist in the U.S. economy today. We think you can make a case for the fact that uh, the economy is already at or nearly nearly at full employment. If you look at the unemployment rate itself, that's low. If you look at wage growth, there's actual wage growth. And we think when you take that coupled with what appears to be, you know, a soaring uh, stock market and, and rumbles of life in the overall GDP, we're expecting that there will be three rate hikes uh, this year by, by the Fed. Now, that may, seem, that may seem on the aggressive side, Michael, but at Plum Lending, we went back and looked at some of the historicals. If you go back and look at a similar time frame in June of 2004, you'll see that when rates began to rise then, over a two-year period, the Fed funds rate rose not not 1% per year, but 2% per year. Mm. It went up four points in a two-year time frame. So if you look at it in that way, we're actually, we have a kind of moderate view. Um, and all of these are reasons why at Plum Lending, we're advising our clients to get into as long a term of fixed rate as possible. And if you're in a transaction now, Try to seek out a lender that will lock in your your current fixed rate for as long as possible before the loan becomes live. Well, I think that's great advice, and and you mentioned the increases over a two-year period were four percent, which does seem big today. So, what would you guess two years from now that we might be paying for a mortgage interest rate-wise for a commercial property in two years? Again, we're expecting three rate rate hikes this year. Um, we think we think there's there's plenty of evidence that you would see at least that much um, in, in the year 2018. So if you look at stabilized commercial real estate, which is what we focus on at, at Plum Lending, I think you could easily see rates going as high as, as you know, 8% uh, you know, in the next 7% to 8% in the next couple of years, which, again, is all the more reason to just lock in as long a term fixed rate loan as you can today. Wow! Wow! Yeah, that uh, that'll be interesting. Well, what about liquidity and, and underwriting and the availability of financing moving forward, Bill? It seems like some people are concerned that uh, there may be some changes there. Right, um, and I think it's I think at Plum Lending we have the view that at least in the major markets, the primary markets around the U.S., there's a case to be made that commercial real estate is already approaching the peak of this cycle. If you uh, look at Green Street's Commercial Property Price Index, which is a well-known and well-regarded index, it illustrates that in the private market value for REIT portfolios, 
those market values have already increased to 26% higher than the previous cycle peak back in August of 2007. You couple that with looking at the Federal Reserve report, which shows that overall commercial real estate debt levels are up 14% from the previous high uh, back in 2007. So all of those are reason, I think, to expect some kind of correction. Wonderfully, that, that kind of inflation in the markets is not being driven this time around, at least by lax underwriting. Lenders uh, that, that, that we work with and that we see in the marketplace, Michael, are continuing to underwrite to actual, not, not pro forma income. They're, they're underwriting you know, actual executed tenant leases, not letters of intent. And lenders are continuing to, to verify borrower liquidity with account statements versus relying just on reported liquidity figures. So there may be a correction coming. If so, we don't think it would be crippling. And I, and I might mention, at least in our view at Plum Lending, Michael, you have a president now who's a former commercial real estate developer. You have a secretary of treasury in Mnuchin who made his name trading mortgage bonds at Goldman Sachs. So I think there's reason for everyone to be optimistic about the future of commercial real estate in the next three to four years. Well, good. Well, I hope you're right. And, and I can't let you go, since I have you on the phone today, to, without asking you about online lending, because it seems like people have gotten more comfortable uh, doing financing for their homes online, but are they ready for it com- commercially? And how is it going? And uh, what are the benefits of someone considering using Plum Lending, an online source for commercial mortgages? Right. Terrific question. Of course, there's an overall movement, not just in lending online, but FinTech, which is, uh, which is moving technology through you know, wide swaths of the financial service arena. I think everyone can expect to see a real explosion of um, innovation in the commercial real estate markets using technology. And, and part of that is driven, Michael, by just, by just the structural forces that drive innovation. I think everyone knows that creativity in general has to be financed. It doesn't pay for itself at the outset. If you look at the pools of capital that have already been aggregated to drive innovation, what do they look for? They look for three things. Number one, they look for a large market. Commercial real estate mortgage market is nearly $4 trillion. They look for an inefficient market. I think everybody who's been involved in a commercial real estate loan transaction would, would agree it's one of the most complex, inefficient processes um, unknown in the lending sphere. And third, the the pools of capital look for what kind of industries have been slow to adopt technology. So for all those reasons, I think you can expect to see a real explosion in technology. Plum uses technology to to influence the transaction in the favor of the borrower. We believe our transaction, our technology shows up in the speed we can offer to the borrower. We believe it shows up in the certainty we can offer the borrower of execution. We believe it shows up in the preferential terms. I might mention, just as an aside, Plum also has an exclusive on uh, technology that's being developed that will help use, again, automation to to reduce the time that it takes to do a commercial real estate appraisal from 30 to 45 days, which it is today, all the way down to five days. Not ready yet. We believe when we're ready to go to market with that, that can revolutionize and, frankly, speed up huge parts of the commercial real estate market. 
Well, uh, Bill, you can't see me on the phone, but I'm doing the Snoopy dance over here as a broker. I like the idea of five <laughs> days and efficiency in the process. And uh, if you'd like to check out online commercial lending, visit GetYourPlumLoan.com. That's GetYourPlumLoan.com. Bill, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate uh, you being on the show. Michael, thanks so much for having me. And thanks for joining us uh, out there on the radio, on iTunes, on the show website, uh, on YouTube. We appreciate on YouTube. We appreciate you being with us. And join us next week because our show is going to be technology for your space. So technology for your office space or your retail space and maybe even your industrial space. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, Excelligent, Building Data Everywhere, Plum Lending, Online Commercial Real Estate Loans, Get Valuate, Online Investment Analysis, Apto, Your Entire Brokerage in the Cloud, and Build Out, the marketing tool for your brokerage.